I, yes. I okay. Very good. Good morning. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Those words of Jesus in this morning's gospel uh, are surely among the most comforting in the entire Bible. Lord knows uh, they hit me somewhere deep because my burden this morning is a heavy one. As your preacher this morning, I'm afraid I'm not here to offer comforting words. Rather, I'm here to tell you the truth, as hard as it may be to hear, because that is what I owe each and every one of you, because there's no such thing as any real comfort without facing the truth. I think the gospel teaches us that. And my friends, speaking to you as a journalist who has committed my life to factual truth. The truth that we have to face at this moment is this. Our country and our world are in crisis, at the brink of catastrophe. Because it's not a crisis that will simply blow over. It's not a storm that will pass if we simply hunker down and ride it out. Because in fact, it's not just one crisis, but the convergence of multiple crises at once, a perfect storm. To begin with, as, as we know all too well, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, which has now alarmingly even reached the president of the United States and his administration. And then, lest we forget, there's the global emergency of catastrophic climate change that's bearing down on all of us. And then third, but no less an emergency, there is the political and social crisis that has, without exaggeration, brought this country and our democracy to a near breaking point. And unless there is decisive action, these converging crises, planetary and political, together have the potential to destroy everything <laughs> that makes our shared life on earth possible as part and parcel of God's creation. Now, I know, <laughs> I know, the situation is overwhelming, but it is not hopeless. It is not hopeless, or rather, it doesn't have to be hopeless, because we have the ability, collectively, to address these crises, and I, for one, believe that as human beings, God gives us the freedom and the responsibility to choose and to act through the power of love. 
So, as Garrett said, today is the feast day of St. Francis of Assisi, which has always been a kind of uniquely fun and happy day <laughs> on our church calendar with the blessing of the animals, which I personally have always loved. But friends, the hard truth is, and there's no comforting way to say this, the natural world and its non-human inhabitants are under assault and they're being decimated. Living around here surrounded by all of the natural beauty, it's easy to forget that we are in the midst of the, what scientists call the sixth extinction, that is the sixth mass extinction of species since life on this planet began. Caused this time not by an asteroid or uh, any other natural geological process, but by humanity itself. More specifically, by our global fossil fuel-driven economic system that is rapidly warming the planet and destroying vast swaths of natural habitat. Scientists estimate that half, half of the several million species on Earth will likely face extinction before this century is out. Meanwhile, it was recently estimated that vertebrate animal populations, not, not entire species, but the populations of vertebrate animals living on Earth, have declined by an average of 68% since 1970, two-thirds in 50 years. But of course, climate change and mass extinction also threaten human life and civilization, and not in some distant dystopian future. In many parts of the world, including parts of this country, catastrophic climate change is already here, as we've seen on the news. And as always, the poor and the racially marginalized, those people who, like our own children and grandchildren, have done little or nothing to cause the catastrophe, suffer the most. By 2070, up to one-fifth of the planet's land area, almost entirely in the poorest parts of the world, could be rendered uninhabitable by rising heat alone, affecting as much as one-third of the human population. By one estimate, more than a billion people, a billion people could be forced to migrate and become climate refugees by 2050. Okay. Since this is probably the point at which I begin to lose you, <laughs> if I haven't already, <laughs> because these are difficult facts to listen to, I want to bring in another voice. I want to bring in one who carries maybe a bit more weight than I do. <laughs> uh, I want to bring in the current Pope who takes his name from the saint we honor today. 
Now, Pope Francis, formerly known as the Argentinian Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, released an epoch-making papal encyclical in 2015 on ecology, climate change, and inequality. And its, la its Latin title, Laudato Si, uh, Praise Be to You, uh, is taken from a canticle of St. Francis. And in the encyclical, which I urge you to read if you haven't already, because it is quite something, it is powerful, the Pope reminds us that salvaging a livable planet and protecting the natural world is inseparable from economic and social justice for the poor, the weak, the oppressed, because they have always been on the front lines of environmental devastation. Now remember, Saint Francis is not only the saint of flowers and meadows and trees, <laughs> of birds and animals and all creatures, great and small. He is also the saint of poverty and the poor. And in that papal encyclical, addressing global inequality and injustice, Pope Francis writes prophetically, there is little in the way of clear awareness of problems which especially affect the excluded. Yet they are the majority of the planet's population, billions of people. These days, one often has the impression that their problems are brought up as an afterthought. This is due partly to the fact that many professionals, opinion makers, communications media, and centers of power being located in affluent urban areas are far removed from the poor with little direct contact with their problems. This can lead to a numbing of conscience and to tendentious analyses which neglect parts of reality. At times, this attitude exists side by side with a quote-unquote green rhetoric. Today, however, the Pope goes on to say, we have to realize that a true ecological approach always becomes a social approach. It must integrate questions of justice in debates on the environment so as to hear both the cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. The cry of the earth and the cry of the poor. Now, now some may call this liberation theology or give it some other fancy label. But I just call it the gospel. And friends, let me try to be as direct as the Pope. <laughs> In the coming election, voters in this country, the richest and most powerful nation on earth, will decide whether the United States of America reverses course and begins to respond seriously to the existential threat of climate change and ecological devastation. Not only that, 
but as the most serious and sober-minded observers, including many Republicans, now agree, this election may well decide whether we keep our democracy. Now, to be clear, I don't speak for St. Anne's in the fields. I don't speak for our clergy. I don't speak for our vestry or anyone other than myself. I'm only one person, one citizen, one aspiring <laughs> Christian. And I owe you the truth. As people called to love God and our neighbors, we must choose and we must act. And so I'm asking you this morning to do all that you can and to encourage others to do all that they can. As I know many of you already are, to change this nation's course peacefully and democratically. And yes, that means with your vote. Now maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not supposed to say that here. I mean, for what it's worth, uh, I agree that the separation of church and state is almost always for the best. But not the separation of church and politics, which can become an excuse for silence, for repressing the truth, and for inaction. My friends, this historic moment of decision transcends mere partisan politics, and it transcends church and state. I'm speaking to you right now not as a Democrat. In fact, I'm actually a lifelong independent with no fondness for any political party. <laughs> and I'm not speaking to you really even as an Episcopalian or even as a member of St. Anne's. I'm speaking to you as a mere aspiring Christian. And I assure you, if preaching this sermon for some reason meant that I would be banned from the Episcopal Church, <laughs> I would still preach it. If it meant going to jail or risking my life, which who knows, someday it might, could, I would still preach it. Because my loyalty is not to any particular church or state. My loyalty is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there are moments in history when Christians are called upon to choose and to act politically even if it means disobeying society in order to obey the gospel. History is replete with such examples, from the apostles to the abolitionists, from Sojourner Truth to Dorothy Day, from Dietrich Bonhoeffer to Martin Luther King Jr. and the late great John Lewis. And friends, make no mistake, 
we ourselves now live at such a moment in history. Now, I, I wrote this sermon before we got the news that the president and the first lady have contracted the coronavirus. And I pray sincerely, and I hope you do too, that they both make a full recovery. But let's keep in mind, in fact, all the more reason to keep in mind that this election has never been about just one man or even just one election. It's about the political and cultural forces that have brought us to this point. So let me conclude with this. Let us remember that when we reaffirm our baptismal vows, we are asked, do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? The evil powers of this world. If we're not ready by now to name those powers, racism and misogyny, neo-fascist white nationalism, the nihilistic denial of science and factual truth, the reckless deceit and profit-seeking that is destroying creation. If we're not ready by now to name these and to renounce them, and to stand against them as followers of Jesus Christ, then when will we ever? When will we ever? Creation is crying out. The earth and the poor are crying out. Do we hear them? Will we answer 